Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form a war tour with Muhammad, my man. Mm. I assume you know where that's from. Yes, A Tribe Called Quest. All right. All right. It only took five episodes. Nate, Nate's keeping his job here. It's amazing. I love it. You're practically a super fan now. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're on the final episode sort of a wrap-up i guess Mm -hmm. of common sense versus common practice and you know just to just to reiterate where this all started um so much of what we see so much of what we hear we think i didn't need to be told that it's just common sense yeah and, and we, as coaches, as people who put out a lot of content and media, think, do we really need to say this? It's just common sense. But the reality is, and we first heard this phrase from our friend Trevor Reagan from Train Ugly at trainugly.com, that common sense isn't always common practice. And I think that's a... That's a all-time mega quote. Totally. As far as I'm concerned. And I think it shows up in so many places in the climbing world, in the, you know, the sports world, the training world in general. And right now we're going to be talking about principles versus prescriptions. And this is kind of a, a tough topic to pin down. You know, we were just sitting here going over notes and we're like, uh, this is going to be a tough one. I don't know, but we're going to see what happens here. Um, I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, train where you are versus where you want to be that I think, especially in today's world, there's a lot of relevance to this topic of principle versus prescription because we want everything in little quick sound bites. We want them in 140 characters if you're on that 30 word over there. And and we want to be told what to do <clears throat> and oh. quickly. This shouldn't be this long process. Just fucking tell me how to get there. And prescriptions don't don't necessarily work in these cases. Um but if you want to catch someone's attention on the Instagram or on the Facebook or on the Twitter, prescribe. You prescribe. You oh, yeah. say, "Here's what you have to do. Here's the absolute. Here's the answer." Mm-hmm. And that catches people's attention. And it's a great way to catch people's attention, but you're really only talking to a pretty small percentage of those people. And I. 
in my mind, that's fairly dangerous. And that's why we try not to talk in prescription. Even when we're writing training plans, you know, I've, I've battled with myself about, do I sell these eBooks, you know, that are prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And I try to narrow it down as much as possible. Like this is for the 512 climber who's climbed a fair amount of mid 512 wants to climb 513. And even then when people email me, I'm like, tell me what your strengths and weaknesses are. Tell me what your goals are. I can send you in a better direction. Mm -hmm. Climb 513 might not be the plan for you. So even then when I'm being pretty, I'm delineating who I'm prescribing to, even then it makes me nervous. But some people are just like, I'm prescribing all damn day long. You know, mm -hmm. I'll just throw it out there on Instagram and everybody, here's the secret. This is the key. That scares me a little bit. Yeah, and I think it should. What do you what do you view as the most dangerous prescriptions that you see going out and climbing? <clears throat> that a simple way to gain power is to try difficult moves when you're already tired no um <laughs> but i think it's things like that um things where you're telling people this is the way to do it um, and i guess that's a prescription in general um, so not a really specific example but again you know we've talked about climbing is a really complex sport and it's very personal and it's very personal and you can make things work via several different avenues, you know, like your example of Daniel on Instagram. I think it was saying this is the crux move of biography. It requires this and this and this and this, which just so happened to be my strongest four attributes. Mm -hmm. However, other people have climbed it who those are not their strongest attributes and they would probably say it requires finesse and the ability to really stand on your feet and get your hips into the right position. Mm -hmm. So being that prescriptive saying, this is the way you have to do it. This is the way you must choose to go to make progress. I think not only is that, can that be dangerous physically, but it risks mental damage and emotional damage to people who who don't have those factors and are just like should I just give up you know I can't I'm not that strong I can't deadlift three times body weight what am I gonna do oh yeah you know or I mean a great example is well, like one arm dead hangs like there are metrics and standards out <laughs> that's there. a really good example actually like, yeah, there are metrics and standards out there that for some people are just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Like there is a standard that you should be able to, if you want to climb 514, like 14A, you need to be able to one arm dead hang a one pad edge for five seconds. Yeah. Like I'm here to tell you that's bullshit. Like yeah. for some people, they may need me, need me, they might need to be able to do that with like plus 10 pounds. But, you know, I would say the mass majority of people like, probably never need to get that strong to be able to climb 14a or b or maybe even c like i know multiple v13 climbers 
who cannot do that. Yeah, I know a whole lot of double-digit climbers who can't even begin to do that. Yeah, and I have worked with people who've been discouraged because they said, I can't meet these metrics, which means I can't climb my goal projects. Yeah. Like, it was one plus one. Like, it was that simple to them. Like, if they could not do this, they that meant they they wouldn't even go try. Like, to them, it was not even worth it because they could not measure up to this. And to me, that's dangerous. Yeah, metrics in general are scary. I'm not I'm not the world's biggest fan of metrics. I understand their usefulness. Well, at least I think I understand their usefulness. Um and I'm willing to give them more of a chance. I think that in climbing again, it's so complicated. You can get to the same results via so many different avenues that metrics are really, really difficult to come by. And in our very early, very, very preliminary, largely guesswork, um, I'm going to go ahead and throw all that out there, <laughs> in all the measuring we've done, it's it appears to be so much all over the board that coming up with an average is unfair. It's insane. And and having and telling people you need to meet this metric to be at this level because it's the average of this giant spread out group of people, that seems equally doubly unfair, you know, because so many people are never going to meet that that metric. And still be able to perform at that level and higher. Yeah. Or even so, like they may hit hit some of those metrics and they say, well. And not be able to perform. I must be a terrible rock climber because I hit right. those metrics. But there are some people who can just, man, tests can be cheated. Tests can be, some people are really good at taking tests. Yeah. Like you can train for tests, like in metrics. Um, you know, even ones where you shouldn't be able to, like everything is trainable. Yeah, you can hack any test. Um, you know, one of the, one of the podcasts I listen to often, the performance podcast, um, with Will Fleming and Dos, uh, Robert, Robert Remedios, um, they talk about in one of their episodes, the NFL combine, which is, which is a big money test, essentially. You oh, know, yeah. If you do well on this combine, you get picked up by an NFL team then you stand to make millions of dollars. You can be a top prospect. You can perform at a really high level, but if you don't do well on the combine, your stock drops. So there are companies who charge top dollar to teach you to hack the NFL combine, that you could be a low performer, uh, someone who's not even on the radar of the recruits, go to this school for four or six weeks or whatever, where they teach you how to do better on the NFL combine tests. And then all of a sudden your stock goes through the roof because you just outperformed the best performers in the league mm -hmm. on the test. Yes. You know, you're going to get on the field and you're going to tank, but you just made a million and a half dollar signing bonus. Boom. So, you know, that's a really good example of hacking these tests. Mm -hmm. And then the metrics don't tell you a thing. 
Yeah. And so I think there there is an importance for metrics and keeping them. And I think they're individualized. Yep. Like I measure think, against yourself. Exactly. Like to me yeah. that from what I've seen, what we've seen from measuring with our own athletes, I mean, yeah, like comparing multiple people is startling. You can account for body weight, for training age, for all different things. Man, it's all over the place. Yeah, I have I have five fourteen rock climbers who can't do pull ups. Yeah. I have I mean, I have five twelve climbers who can hang with more weight than I can. Yeah. And it's just like but that's just it. Like they can hang that much, but when you when they actually try and climb, like they can't leverage it onto actual holds. Right. Like there's some sort of disconnect. And so it's like that's something that needs to be worked on. But if I simply looked at it and said, Oh wow, you can hang an extra hundred pounds on you, like good news, your hand strength is great. We don't need to worry about that. It's like that's not the thing. You act they actually need to be a lot of them actually have to spend a ton of time on fingery, like hard hand intensive climbs so they can actually learn how to use their hands. Yeah. Um and we're talking a lot, you know, you could very easily say, Oh, well, there's outliers. You know, there are exceptions to every rule, but what I'm seeing with all these numbers is that everyone looks like an outlier compared to what the average is. Mm-hmm. Um, what would, are we going to say, are we just calling ourselves the average? We're no, the no, not, not ourselves at all. Like if I took all of the numbers and averaged, averaged them, together, them out. Then everyone seems like they're all over the place. Yeah, it, it seems like everyone is an outlier. Yeah. So this average number becomes unfair. Totally. You know, and maybe it's just that we have too small a data set at this point. Um, But it's enough to give me pause. And we're spending a lot of time in the beginning of this harping on prescription. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what we mean by principles. And, you know, just to make sure that we're delineating between the two and we can tell the difference. So what do we mean by principles? Principles are these underlying rules that kind of govern everything. They are the basis that we can judge, are we doing the things correctly? So if I was to reference- Right, like deadlift two times body weight. Principle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter if the first day you ever deadlift, you can deadlift two times body weight, you're good. Um, but like, so to use metrics, to me, a more principle approach is saying, I'm going to track my own numbers. Like, and I'm going to reference them off myself. Am I getting better? Like, did I move the needle? Like, if here are all my, like, all the things I measured, and I think having these big in-depth measurements are awesome. Like, I think they're great, and I think doing them maybe once a year or something like that, that that can be great because then you can check in and say, hey, did I get better? Yep. I think it can be very easy to say, where do I compare with other people? Because that, like... Yeah, that's a powerful thing for people man yeah but it can be a bad road to go down like i yeah. the most people i've talked with have come away disappointed when they compare themselves using metrics my answer my stock answer has become which people do you want me to tell you about the people you're better than or people you're worse than because i can give you both mm-hmm. you know which do you want to hear but what it comes down to is i mean the principle is like am i getting better like that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how everyone else around me performs. Like, is my training making me better? 
And so that's just it. Like it doesn't yep. matter if I can't hang body weight on one pad edge. If my training means that I can slowly get a little bit stronger, just tiny bits, and I can get to the point where I'm climbing V14, who gives a fuck what my metrics are? Yeah. Like compared to everyone else, if they're improving for myself and I am climbing better because of it, that is what matters. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I talked to Dan John this last summer and still jealous. <laughs> Eat your heart out. And when, when I read his book, um, now what, now what, one of the things he talks about that I thought was really cool and really important is that you should measure something he essentially says, I don't care what that thing is. As long as it somehow pertains to your performance goals, measure something, train, measure it again. If the number goes up, then you're doing good. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what that thing is. It doesn't matter what the next guy did. You know, it doesn't matter what the average number of people do. Are, should there be standards? Sure. Maybe there should be. You know, I think that could be a really important thing. Do we have enough information to come up with those standards on our own? Obviously not, because nearly every standard that's been thrown out for rock climbing is taken from somewhere else. It's mm -hmm. taken from another sport. It's not taken from doing a study of a bunch of rock climbers to see what they can deadlift. Because most Cause rock climbers can't deadlift. God knows it would be 0.75 body weight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so all of our supposed standards that we've been espousing are taken from elsewhere. And I think there's some validity in that. But it shouldn't be taken as the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I think the point here is this principle that we're talking about is measure something, move the needle, then you're making progress. You know, it doesn't mean you're, you're, you shouldn't be trying to hit a very specific number with a very specific thing. Yeah. And do what, I mean, this goes exactly what we were just talking about. Train for where you are and not for you, where you want to be and where you want to be could be anything else. But if where you are is, you know, metrics that may not line up with anything like where you want to be. It doesn't matter. Like, like you are just trying to make yourself better. Like right. do what is good for you. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Totally. Other principles. Let's keep on that. I've got a question about prescriptions, but let's keep on principles right now. Are there, are there principles you think are really important? Uh, master the basics. In my mind, that's key. Yeah. Why is it that in climbing, that seems to be overlooked? And in so many other sports, you know, you look at Wayne Gretzky, famous for warming up the same way since he was a youth hockey player. Mm -hmm. You know, you, Jerry Rice, who was one of the best wide receivers in history, did very basic drills his entire career. So many great athletes do the same basic drills throughout their entire careers. I've never heard of Chris Sharma doing basic drills. Why is that? 
Well, I think one thing you just said sort of highlights it is those are great athletes. Um, and I'm not saying Chris Sharma you isn't. You say Chris Sharma isn't a great athlete? Uh, I don't even know if he would consider himself an athlete. Um, but I think there are Fair enough. I think there are a lot of climbers who do that. Like they would never say that they are doing drills, but you watch their intention when they warm up right? and they are so intentional and it's unbelievable and you can see it when it happens and like they may never voice that they are building these pyramids or that they are working their weaknesses. Yeah, totally. BJ, BJ warms up with sloth monkeys. If I told him he was doing sloth monkeys, he would leave the gym, (laughs) (laughs) but it's what he's doing. I watch him in there. He's doing contrast warm-ups, a.k.a. sloth monkeys. Mm -hmm. And it's just the way he warms himself up to be able to move the way he wants to move. Yeah. Just intuitively. Like watching a lot of great climbers, man, they they do so many of these things and they've made it to where it's this unconscious part of their being to where they just go through all these steps and they cover so many of the basics. Um, You know, they may not think of it like that they may not recognize it like that but it's just ingrained in them at this point right um so yeah that's just it i think great athletes do it um but there's i mean i i think not mastering the basics is a common issue for everyone in every walk of life i mean that's business that's relationships that's diet that's everything um it's it's a hard thing because i mean for multiple reasons like God, it'd be really nice if magic bullets worked. Yeah. I mean, if I could just pick one thing and be like, oh, I just have to do this and it'll make me better, cool. Instead of being like, well, I need to shore up like these 15 different things and like do them to a reasonable amount. And that's going to give me a uh, a reasonable amount of progress over time. And if I do it for long enough, I'm going to me make my goal in a couple years. Yeah. Like that's hard to, I don't want to swallow that bill. Like, you know, give me some like, forearm implants or something i don't know (laughs) yeah i've got a good example of someone who is working on the basics even though they've essentially mastered them already Hmm. i was in rifle this past summer and it was a who's who of american sport climbing i mean you name a good american sport climber they were there all of them Chris Hampton. He was there. Oh, man. He was, was everyone. He was flailing like crazy, not mastering any basics, <laughs> but he was there. <clears throat> um, but Dave Graham, at the end of the day, was getting on Pumperama, which is popular 13A at mm-hmm. the Arsenal and Rifle, way below Dave Graham's level. And he's done it a lot of times. But we were talking before he got on it, and he was like, oh, man, I haven't been sport climbing a lot. I know I'm going to get pumped. I'm going to get on this and really go for it, like really try, because I know I'm going to get pumped stupid. I want to remember what it's like to get pumped and try hard. You know. And I was like, that's cool. You know, A, he's training where he's at. He knows he's just been bouldering. I'm going to, I know I'm going to get pumped on 13A. So I'm going to work on going hard on a level where I can focus. I know I'm going to send, you know, I'm going to have to battle, but I think I can send this. And 
this is what my focus is going to be. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to do this to show off. It wasn't just, I'm just going to run a random lap on here. It was, I've got a focus. I'm going to go up and do it. And it was fun to watch because he he's in the upper crux. His elbows are above his head. He's obviously in battle mode, but he slows it all back down. He pulls it back together and he looks effortless to the top. You know, you could see the moment he remembered how to do it and it all came back together. So, you know, if Dave Graham, who is essentially a wizard needs to work on the basics, why, why don't the five eleven climbers need to work on the basics anymore? I think they do. So I think that's a great principle. Um, keep keep practicing the basics. You know, focus on the basics. They should always be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Any others? Some other basics. There's some other principles. I'll look back at my notes over here. Um, I mean, quality versus quantity. Yeah, first pretty, thing. Pretty much all the things we've kind oh. of gone over are principle versus prescription in one way or another Mm -hmm. you know there's and that's sort of the direction that that we at power company climbing take is we try to be very mindful of the correct prescription but i think we operate on a very principle-based philosophy um we definitely try to where we recognize it yeah yeah, exactly. And it's it's tricky. You know, I think this whole conversation is is tricky. But things like move well, you know, maybe that fits under mastering the basics. But and like you mentioned earlier, move well doesn't mean move with straight arms. It doesn't mean keep your hips close to the wall. It doesn't mean you should always be drop kneeing or you should always be square. There is no always. It's not a, it's not a prescription. Mm-hmm. That's the point. You know, moving well can mean lots of things. So being aware of that, recognizing when a move didn't feel like it was done well and trying to figure out what it was and come up with a better way to move is the important part. Um, so you could go principle, geez, all sorts of directions. You can. I think I think there are a lot of, I think when it comes down to it, a lot of the things fall under just a handful of the main ones, like what we've talked about. Um, you know, something you just touched on, which is I think a principle is uh, watch out for absolutes. Like I fear mm-hmm. absolutes. When someone says always do this or never do that, first thing I do is I'm, I say, okay, what are they trying to sell to me? Yeah. And the next thing is, it's like, is this something brand new to them that they're still like in the honeymoon stage with? Yeah, that's like, a really great, great point. And to me, those two alone, like cover a large bulk of when someone says always, never, every time, things like that, like they're trying to sell you something <clears throat> or they're just like a little too infatuated with something in the moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, be Which careful. Which we're all guilty of. Totally. I mean, a hundred percent, like they're, are so many things that, I mean, like right now I'm reading through Top Dog and 
it's a, on the science of competition. So everything I see, I'm seeing it through the, right, the, the right, bias totally, of competition. Totally, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I totally understand. This is a close competition. That's why I'm thriving right now. <laughs> I need to find more, more friends who are climbing right at my level because I'm sending a lot of projects currently. Um, so totally. I mean, we're all guilty of it. But these are just things that you want to try to keep in mind. Are there popular prescriptions that you see recently? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> you give your answer first. I'll think on this. I don't have an answer. That's why I'm asking you. Um, you know, I think, and and maybe I'm guilty of perpetuating this myth to a degree as well, but I think the always be strength training is a myth. I think it's a, a prescription that doesn't necessarily fit because I can come up with times when I don't want to be strength training. I shouldn't be strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, you just had one. I just, that look on your face, you're like, oh shit, light bulb just went off. Yes. Hit me with it. Do what makes you happy. <laughs> no i'm serious like okay this is is this a principle or a prescription this is a prescription okay and i don't think it's a principle okay like because here's the thing like and i very much strongly believe this <laughs> when you train hard training isn't fun like there are times when training can be fun and it can be type two fun yeah 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 but yeah. man like and don't get me wrong like if i'm training for bouldering that shit's always fun like because training for <laughs> bouldering is easy mm-hmm. like but if you're training for sport climbing, oh man, it's the worst. I used to love it. Not like, anymore. Not anymore. Oh man, like hard, hard power endurance work or hard endurance work, it's terrible. Yeah, it's not fun. Like if if I only did what was fun, I would never sport climb again for the rest of my life. <laughs> like I would always remain out of shape and I'd be a boulder. Um, but when I am, um, and not only that, like trying things at your limit, like it doesn't to me register as immediate fun. Like I get nervous. Like if I'm about to tie in for, you know, a red point effort on a big 110 foot pitch and like there's a crux at the top, like I'm nervous. It is not an immediate joy. It reminds me of back when I used to race or like different, do different types of competitions. Like it's not enjoyable. It's not fun in the moment. Like it is a thing that like you have to, that you have to do though. And it's all a part of it. And so I think, this goes everything from training to trying hard red points. Like there are times where you're going to be nervous. Like you might be uncomfortable, but it's like, that is what it takes for you to move forward. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think, a, I think a prescription that pops into my head that is, I don't know if it's popular or, is if something is hated by lots of people, that's still popular, right? I mean, a lot of people know about it, so yeah. Yeah, it's still popular. That means I've always been popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I think the idea of you shouldn't run is is a prescription that I think is false. Is it going to necessarily help your climbing? Not necessarily. 
it could there is evidence that it could mm-hmm. you know i've been talking to eric hurst lately i've been running a little lately myself do i am i convinced that it's going to help me no i'm willing to give it a try however i have had several clients who i've said yeah go run because they love it you know it's what keeps them sane it's what allows them to go train for climbing because it puts them into a place where they're okay spending their time training for climbing. They feel like they've done what they need to do. In that case, they should go running. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the prescription of don't run for climbing is a bad one. And I think there's lots of those. Totally. It, I mean, it I just can... don't fit everybody. I can think of a bunch right now just off the top of my head. Like anytime someone says, oh, you need to be climbing at this level before you can do this. Like you need to be V5 climber before you can canvas board or you need to be climbing X level before you do this or you need to have this strength before you do that. Like you just can't, like you can't throw that around. Like, I mean, I understand it. Like I understand prescriptions because I've written things and when you're writing you don't get the chance to spend these you know 45 minutes all total throughout this whole series it's like four and a half hours or something of conversation to flush it all out you get one sentence yeah and so you you have to say something and it has to apply to a lot of people yeah and that's hard to do so i get the prescriptions you know i understand why they're there when they're in the situation like you shouldn't campus until you can climb B5. You know, there are cases where someone who's climbing B3 might be able to go campus. There there are are situations where people who are climbing V7 shouldn't be campusing. For sure. But you have to come up with something general to say when you're presenting it. Mm -hmm. So I get that. There's some prescriptions, however, things like you should never run. Things like you should never hangboard with a closed crimp. Oh, I disagree with that. Things like that that are just incorrect. You Mm -hmm. know, that don't even need to be said. You don't need to say you should never hangboard with a closed crimp. You know, you can very easily just say, if you're going to hangboard with a closed crimp, be pretty careful. Yeah. You know, really think it over. You can say that. It doesn't have to be this absolute one-size-fits-all prescription. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's I that's taken us down a road that's gotten a lot of people in trouble where a common one that came up forever was, oh, you should you should climb open hand as much as possible because open hand strengthens your crimps and, you know, it's going to keep you healthier. And the problem is I know a lot of people who spent years only open hand climbing and the second they had to start grabbing crimps, they got injured. Yeah, like, totally. That didn't actually <clears throat> make you more resilient. What would have made you more resilient was getting your body used to that type of stress, yep, yep. like of crimping. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can overdo it and get hurt crimping, 
But if you never do it when you need it, you're going to be in trouble. Right. So, yeah, those big absolutes, like, they'll get you in trouble. Yeah, I don't, you know, I think, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I think we've we've sort of hit on the, the principle behind prescriptions, these big, big absolutes, big always, one size fits all, this is what you should do no matter what. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see that, be wary, look at it critically, try to decide if it's for you or not. You know, there, there aren't many things that should actually be prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Instead, we should be looking at the principles, these overarching ideas that m- when molded can fit nearly everyone. Is that a good way to say it? Yeah. Do you have a favorite principle? (sighs) Favorite principle. I'd tell you mine, but you'll be mad because I stole it. No, you better go ahead then so I can Keep the goal the goal. Oh, God damn it. I told you. Yeah, that that is a really good one. Yeah. The goal is to keep the goal the goal. Yes. Classic Dan John. Yeah. And in case that sounds confusing... The idea is that, you know, if you're strength training for climbing, the goal should not become get stronger for strength training. The goal is to get to strength train for climbing, to get stronger for climbing. Yeah. If you're improving at climbing, then you're doing the right thing. It doesn't mean drop all your climbing work so that you can reach that two times body weight deadlift. It means do your strength training. If it's improving your climbing, you're doing the right thing. And, and then you're keeping the goal, the goal. So off the top of my head, I don't know that I can come up with a better principle than that. Um, I don't know. If I come up with one in an episode down the road, I'll let people know. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think that one really is pretty all-encapsulating. Yeah. Okay, anything else to say on this? No, uh, I mean this. That's uh, that's the full series. This is day five. It is day five. It's actually hour four and a half for us. So mm-hmm. it's getting. I think we made a mistake in ending with principle versus prescription, because it's really hard to come up with something new to say about it when that's what we've talked about for the last four episodes, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's okay, though, because everyone, it's Friday for everyone right now, so they're psyched for the weekend. (laughs) You're right, it is. They're really happy. We gave them some really solid, like, Monday, Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday. We got them through this week. We did. Um, You're welcome. We did. Get through your week. That's that's the principle. You know what what I think a good principle is, and I don't have a really handy, like, a phrase for this, but... Look at all the factors. I think that's something I've learned over the years where you can't... If if you want climbing to be a lifestyle, if you want it to be part of your life and not just a sport you go play on Thursday nights with all the other guys while you're drinking, then you need to look at all the other factors as well. You know, climbing becomes part of your 
relationship. It becomes part of your job. It becomes part of your sleep, your nutrition, everything. It's so look at everything. It's not all just about what grade am I climbing? So for me, as someone who has a daughter, has a family, has a career, has started a business throughout my climbing career, I've gone through several iterations of myself. I think that's the number one overarching thing is keep all those other factors in mind as well. Don't get lost in the singular goal of climbing. So with that, your singular goal should be finding us on Instagram and the Facebooks and the Pinterests. Newsletter. The newsletter. The current. Pin the shit out of us on Pinterest. I don't even know what that means, but go do it. Pin us. Is that what they do? Do they pin us? I don't know how it works. Yeah. Do, do some pinning. Yes. Do some pinning. Don't do some tweeting. Don't do some twittering. Whatever that is. Because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this